Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting in the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Vegas 35, Giga Chikadze versus Edson Barboza, an exciting welterweight tilt that we, or featherweight tilt, not a welterweight tilt, featherweight tilt, which we are very excited about. Of course, while being excited about it, I will not break down that fight or any other of the fights on the main card, including the two Ultimate Fighter finale finals. We're not going to be breaking down any of that, though. Instead, we're focused on the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who are new to the show and asking yourself, why the prelims? Why only break down the, the early fight card and not any of the good stuff? And the answer is, first of all, we think the first part of the night is good stuff. And not only is it good stuff to watch, but it's also good stuff if you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, or, hey, maybe you just want to win that pick'em contest. And speaking of pick'em contest, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the Premium Primer is brought to you by Fanatics MMA. It's the most comprehensive MMA pick app that exists today because it's got fighter bios, records, odds, all right in the palm of your hand while you make your picks. There's so many awesome functions to Fanatics MMA, and I'll be telling some of you a little bit later on the show about them. But before we get to any of those, I want to highly encourage you to just go download the Fanatics MMA app wherever it is you download apps and listen on later in the show for more of that information. Now, let's get to breaking down these fights. Joining me today, you may know him from his YouTube channel, Ryan Jarrell Sports, or at All Access MMA, where he does some of his writing. I, of course, am talking about Ryan Jarrell. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, it's always a pleasure. You know that. Good to be back. All right. And as you guys know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alessio DeCirco versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. So, DeCirco had lost three straight fights, somehow wound up with another fight in the UFC, and he head-kicked Joaquin Buckley in January to break that three-fight losing streak, getting himself some more time in the UFC. Al-Hassan, meanwhile, was away for two years, and he's come back to lose three straight himself as well to Mornir Lezez, Chaos Williams, and Jacob Melkin. So my question for you is, in that last fight for Al-Hassan, he was really badly out-wrestled by Jacob Melkin, who kind of controlled the position, forced him to not fight a striking match, which is usually what Alassane wants. How likely is it that Tajirico is going to kind of try to follow that blueprint? I'm not so sure that he is. I feel like Tajirico is one of those guys that, you know, if he has his choice, um, he, he's going to stand and strike. I mean, as you can see what he did with Buckley his, his last time out. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting because, as everyone knows, Alassane He's got a ton of power. Forget the fact that he's lost three straight. I mean, he's he's got some signature wins. The guy's beat Sabah Humasi twice, Nico Price. I mean, he's legit, um, and he's got a ton of power. And you know, especially at this level, all takes is one uh, to close the show. So that's going to be really interesting to see if you know Jericho is going to try and follow that wrestling game plan here uh, against Al Hassan. It might be the smartest thing to do for him so he doesn't get caught with one of those big bombs but you know this is an intriguing fight on both ends because both guys need a win especially Hassan who has dropped three straight so it's, it's going to be a, an interesting uh, clash of styles uh, and what game plan both uh, men try and implement here yeah and I think you're right I think it would be smarter for him to implement a little bit of that wrestling and at least just to mix it up and keep Hassan guessing even if he's not going to go back to that well all the time but I do also think you're right. I think I think he's probably the type of guy who prefers to strike. I mean, 
Joaquin Buckley was coming off of that very viral knockout of him, but Kasangane, and he still chose to stood and stand and bang with him. So, yeah, it would be crazy if he did. Somehow I think he's going to, but then I guess we're, we're at that point in talking about this fight where we got to say, if it does stay on the feet like we both seem to think it is, who are you going with and how do you got him? Man, I'll tell you what. I, I was really impressed with the Jericho uh, knocking out Buckley. Granted, I mean – it was quick. Who knows if, you know, if he didn't clip him, you know, how that fight would have unfolded if it, if it went later. Uh, to me, this is kind of a toss up. If I was a betting man, I'd stay away from putting a lot of money on, on this fight because I feel like it could go either way. I think I'm leaning a, a little bit towards DeChirico just based on what I saw with that last performance. Yeah, I'm going to go with DeChirico, too, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on the betting side of this. Like, DeChirico winds up being a pretty large favorite at negative 270, so... If you do like him to win here, I, I do think the odds are probably too wide here. If, if you are planning on betting Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, I think there's probably some value there. But again, I, I'm leaning to Chirico, so this is one to stay away from for me. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Smiling Sam Alvey versus Wellington Terman. Alvey, 0-5-1 in his last six fights. He last won in June of 2018. Most recently, he was rear naked choked by Julian Marquez. That was back in April. Terman, meanwhile, also... Two straight losses seems to be a theme in this round, both by knockout, one from Andrew Sanchez, one from Bruno Silva. It, it hasn't looked great for either of these guys lately, especially Alvi. You know, no wins in his last six fights. But he's also facing a guy in Terman who's been knocked out a couple of times in a row. And if Alvi's going to win anyway, it seems to be that kind of knockout. So do you think Terman is going to press forward enough to sort of open up that counter-striking of Alvi? Or is he going to stay safe here in this case? You know, I, I feel like Sam Alvey is one of those guys that he kind of, you know, he can kind of get under your skin a little bit. Like, even when he's smiling at you, you might think he's mocking you a little bit. But even, that's just his M.O. He's just having fun. <laughs> yeah, the guy's just in there having fun. And, and for whatever reason, sometimes you can get under his opponent's skin. But, you know, this is really intriguing. Look, I'm just going to get this right out there in the open. I really like Sam Alvey. How can you not? Yeah, I, I interviewed him leading up to this fight. And, you know, he knows he has his back against the wall. I mean, to, to not have a win uh, until was it, we got to go all the way back to that split decision win over Jean Volante back in 2018. So he knows he needs to win to keep his his uh, UFC uh, contract uh, in place and, and to fight here within the world's promotion, move, the, the world's biggest promotion moving forward. Uh, but, you know, I, I do expect th this to, to be a little chaotic. I, I'm not so sure. Wellington Terman has the uh, the skill set to prevent Alvi from you know making this into a into a slugfest. Um, and I think with someone when someone has their back up against the wall like Alvi does, uh, and and with you know how savvy of a veteran he is, I think he's going to get the job done. I, I'm I'm picking Alvi here to get the win. Yeah, I'm I'm picking Alvi too, and I think you're right. I, I think Terman is young, a little bit inexperienced, and probably will be drawn into the type of fight he doesn't want to fight here against Sam Alvey, which is a slugfest. Uh, I'm going to even say, go one step further, and I'm going to say Alvey gets the knockout. Do you think he gets a knockout here? You know, I if it's not a knockout, I mean, give him a TKO, but I, I don't expect it to be in the first round. I would say it's probably going to get into the second round before Alvey gets the job done. I like that. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. 
Alright guys, well I mentioned at the top of the show that I was going to be telling you guys about some of the awesome features of the Fanatics MMA app. My favorite feature has to be their scoring system. The scoring system is so cool because what it does is it basically gives you a fight IQ score. Rather than just getting one point for getting a pick right or maybe, hey, five points for getting it right and three for getting the round right or some arbitrary scoring system like that. They use real Vegas odds to give you points based on your picks. So if you're hitting those big underdogs, you get more points as a result. And for me, there couldn't be a cooler way to get a real sense of how much you know your picks. So I highly suggest checking that out. If you haven't downloaded it yet, go right now and download the Fanatics MMA app. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Dustin Jacoby and Darren Stewart. So Dustin Jacoby, since returning to the UFC, he won his first two fights and then most recently drew with Ion Kudalaba in a very fun back-and-forth fight. Darren Stewart, meanwhile, is 0-2 in a no contest in his last three. He last lost to Eric Anders back in June. So my question here is going to be with the game planning of Darren Stewart. It seems like he's been leaning on his wrestling a bit more as of late, and he's fighting a kickboxer in Dustin Jacoby, so you got to imagine he might try to bring a little bit more of that again. Do you think he has the wrestling to be successful against Dustin Jacoby, though? You know, I don't think he does. I, I, I got Jacoby here, and, and I think he's going to look really impressive. I mean, th- there, are, there are weight classes in place for a reason. I sound like a broken record. Uh, it seems like every show I, I mention that, but it's it's the truth, man. And, you know, Jacoby, he's got three inches in height. He's got four inches in reach. I mean, and, and if someone's going to try and wrestle a kickboxer as as Jacoby is, you're running the risk of run, uh, getting uh, finished by a big knee or a kick. Uh, and, and Jacoby is, is one of the best kickboxers, you know, in the division easily. So this is a really, I think, bad stylistic matchup for the dentist here. Uh, as much as I like him and, and I do like his style, I think he's a tough guy. I think he's a, a, a humble guy, someone that, you, you know, maybe you'd want your kid looking up to um, for a role model. But unfortunately, uh, for this particular fight, I think he's going to have to go to the dentist to get some uh, some realignment done to his face after <laughs> Jacoby came. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly here. I, I think D- Darren Stewart, I mean, like he made his way through the regional scene and into the UFC with his boxing. That's why they call him the dentist, right? And But like in this case, he is going to have to wrestle in order to be successful. He's given up all that reach. He's given up all that striking prowess. Like, and Dustin Jacoby is a really talented striker. And, you know, not for anything. That Ian Kudalaba fight, he did give up a whole bunch of takedowns. But after the first round... He stuffed seven out of eight from Ion Kudalaba, which, you know, granted Kudalaba maybe a little bit tired, maybe not quite there anymore, but yeah, like Darren Stewart is not even close to the type of wrestler that Ion Kudalaba is. So for for Jacoby to have that much success stuffing the takedowns of Kudalaba, especially as the fight goes on, I, I love Jacoby's cardio. I love Jacoby's striking. I, I mean, I just really love you know, Dustin Jacoby at this point in time in his career and his resurgence. So yeah, I'm going to take him here by knockout as well. And that brings us to our third fight, which is, or uh, fourth fight rather, which is J.J. Aldrich versus Vanessa Demopoulos. Aldrich has alternated wins and losses for her last five fights. She's coming off a split decision win over Courtney Casey. Demopoulos, meanwhile, is 6-3, and three, making her debut. She's coming off of a big win over Cynthia Arcio at LFA 103. She lost on the Contender Series to Corey McKenna. She, of course, has also fight UFC veterans uh, Lupita Godinez, who she lost to, and Sam Hughes, who she beat. So lots of good experience for Demopoulos in there. 
My question for you on this one is going to be based on pressure. Um, what I've noticed about J.J. Aldrich lately is she turns up the pressure a lot, and if you look at Vanessa Demopoulos in a lot of those too, th that girl doesn't take a step back either. So in that way, which of these two do you see getting more work done with their pressure? I, I'm leaning uh, J.J. Aldridge here in this fight. And look, I the UFC is just a different level. All due respect to the LFA promotion. It's one of the absolute premier regional promotions, not just in the country, but in the world. But, you know, there is still a difference between the UFC and the LFA. I think that's pretty fair to say. So this is going to be a step up in competition for Demopolis. Granted, I mean, as you said, she still fought some high level fighters. She even beat Cheyenne Bays as an amateur. So she's she's no stranger to fighting tough competition. I just feel like Aldridge is more seasoned. Uh, I, I feel like she's a, a little bit more uh, technical here in this fight. And, and I do expect her uh, to get the job done, uh, kind of like that veteran savviness in, inside of the cage. Don't expect to finish here. I think this is going to go uh, all three rounds, but I am leaning with JJ here. Yeah. And I'm going to agree with you for the fourth straight time here. And, and for me, this is another one where it helps to point out weight classes, you know, like weight classes exist for a reason. Like you said, you know, Demopolis, because she's taking this on short notice, is going up a weight class. And she had a lot of trouble with the physicality of, um, you know, Corey McKenna before she, she lost to Corey McKenna. Like, Corey McKenna bodied her up a little bit. Now she's going to be dealing with somebody who's even bigger than Corey McKenna and who uses her size pretty well. So if they do continuously move forward, like I kind of think they are, they're going to wind up in a lot of clinches. And I think that that favors J.J. Aldrich quite a bit. And as you said, that venerated savvy in those clinches, picking up points, winning rounds that way, I, I think she takes a pretty clear decision here as well. So that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We are four for four at agreeing on these fights. So we'll see if we can get a little separation in the last two fights in round number three. All right, guys, well, I told you a little bit about the scoring system during the last commercial break. Let me tell you a little bit about how the group functions on Fanatics MMA. The really cool thing that you can do is if you've got a group of friends you'd like to pick with, set up a group on Fanatics MMA. And from there, not only can you see all of your friends' picks, can you brag when you're beating them, but you can also chat with them right there in the app. So if you're talking on fight night while you're looking at your buddy's picks or while you're looking at your own picks, you can smack talk right from there. It's a very cool function. Of course, there are hundreds of cool functions on Fanatics MMA. And the only way you can learn more about them is by going right now and downloading it wherever it is you download apps. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this one by talking about Jamal Emers versus Pat Sabatini. Emers lost to Giga Chikadze in his debut, which is obviously a very tough loss, and it was by split decision. He rebounded to take a decision over Vince Cachero, and that was back in August of last year. Sabatini, meanwhile, beat Tristan Connolly by decision in his April debut. He's just 1-0 in the UFC. These two guys are both actually very phenomenal wrestlers. They, they mix their striking and their wrestling together very well. They hit the takedowns. But my question here is that if those two do cancel each other out with the wrestling, who do you actually like better on the feet here? Oof. You know what? I, I think I'd have to lean towards Emmers on the feet just because of his size and reach advantage. He has uh, four inches in reach. He has two inches in height over Sabatini. Having said that, keeping it on the feet with Sabatini, that's going to be a, a tall task because after what I saw him do to Tristan Connolly at UFC 261, 
he's going to be have to go. He's going to have to go against somebody that is extremely elite for me to pick against him. And I'm not saying that Emmers isn't elite. I think he's I think he's a UFC level fighter. I just think that there are, are obviously levels even when you get to the top level. And based on what I saw Sabatini do to Connolly, because I got a, a lot of respect for Tristan Connolly. He's a very, very tough fighter. I'm just super impressed with, with Sabatini and I'm gonna be hard pressed to bet against him uh in, in this fight. I, I feel like his wrestling will probably get the better of, of em- I say probably I say most likely get the better of, of Emmers here and uh, not allow him to use his height and reach advantage on the feet. I'm going with Sabatini. Man, dude, you stole the words right out of my mouth again. I thought for sure this was going to be one we differed on, but I-, I agree with you wholeheartedly, even on the part where I think the striking advantage exists for Emmers here because of that height, because of that reach, and because I think he's just a little bit more crisp and ultimately I don't think it'll matter because I do think Sabatini is a better wrestler. I am so hyped on what's going down at Daniel Gracie Jiu-Jitsu right now because those guys just seem to turn around killer after killer after killer. They got Andre Petrovsky, who's going to be on this fight card, making his UFC debut, coming off the Ultimate Fighter. That dude's a beast wrestler with good Jiu-Jitsu. They've got Sean Brady. They got Jeremiah Wells. I mean, like, that that gym just keeps churning out beasts, and I'm high on Sabatini, too. I think his wrestling is right there. For, for Tristan Connolly to have controlled Michelle Pereira up at welterweight and then to have not been able to do the same thing to Pat Sabatini at featherweight, man, that that says something about Pat Sabatini, that that dude is absolutely incredibly powerful. I think he gets it done here. I think most likely we're talking about a decision because uh, Jamal Emmer's just so tough. Like, Giga Chikadze couldn't get him out of there. But I do think there is a possibility of a sub because I do really love the jiu-jitsu with Sabatini as well. And that brings us to our final fight, which is Mana Martinez versus Guido Canetti. Mana Martinez finally making his UFC debut. He's 8-2. He lost to Draco Rodriguez in kind of a weird submission loss on the Contender Series in 2020. Most recently, though, he knocked out Jose Johnson in May on Dana White's looking for a fight. That was Fury FC 46. Canetti, meanwhile, has got back-to-back losses to Marlon Vera and Danan Batgarel. The loss to Vera, although it was like three years ago, there's a big layoff in there, and then the loss to Batgarel. So, if you've seen any of Mana Martinez and why he was so hyped on the regional circuit, he's known for like being a very big puncher. He's got crazy power. The, the, the question here is, do you think Guido Canetti can stay away from that power long enough to either land some of his own or to just stay safe for 15 minutes? Nope. nope. <laughs> it's not going to happen. This, this is my lock of, of the night. Mana Martinez is the real deal, folks, and you're going to get, uh, I guess, a, a real quick lesson as to just how good this guy is once he makes his UFC debut. Uh, this is one of Adrian Yanez's main training partners, and we know how good uh, Adrian is. Mana is cut from the same mold, and I think he's angry uh, as to the way things played out with with uh, Draco Rodriguez and Contender Series, and having to go back and, and win a couple of fights against tough competition to to get you know his UFC shot. Uh, and and here he is. This this kid is is super well rounded. He's got a lot of power. He's he's extremely technical. Um, I think he's got a very very bright future. And again, my lock of the night, Mana Martinez is going to finish this fight. I, I love it, and I, I would say the same thing. It, it, the, the best was your answer saying, nope, nope, I don't think he can stay away from it. Because that power is so real, and 
and you're right. He probably is mad at the Draco Rodriguez thing because it was kind of fluky, right? Like, he, there was a takedown. There was, like, a weird scramble. He wound up in a triangle choke, and it just, like, it just like happened. It, it didn't even look like Draco Rodriguez wanted the triangle choke, and it just happened. And if you take that loss out of there, the dude's on an incredible streak that includes seven straight wins, all of them by knockout, including knocking out Ultimate Fighter finalist from later on this card, Ricky Tercios, got knocked out by Mana Martinez. So, like, the guy who's fighting in the third to top fight on this card has been knocked cold by Mana Martinez, and he's going to be opening up the fight card fighting a guy who who pretty easily gets knocked out in Guido Canetti. Like, no offense to Guido Canetti, but, like, he, he's been hit, and he's gone down to plenty of guys before, and I mean that from the Ultimate Fighter, and I mean that Denal Baccarell knocked him out in three minutes, and, like, this should be easy for Mana Martinez. It is 100% going to be a showcase fight for him, and I can't wait for it. Um, and that about does it. We agreed on all six fights, so that means all of the picks must be correct. So there you go. Um, so uh, just so you guys know, you can follow my uh, co-host for today, Ryan Jarrell, uh, on Twitter at SonofJarrell20. And, of course, subscribe to his YouTube, Ryan Jarrell Sports. And you can catch all of his interviews and information in both of those two places. So, Ryan, thank you so much for the time, man. Hey, always a pleasure, man. Look forward to doing it again soon.